man. This is dropping juice. Yes, sir. Welcome everybody to this new podcast, Dropping Juice. Redefining what we thought was true. So today we wanted to talk about it's just that jewel, that energy, man. Yeah, Einstein energy. ain't gonna know how to act, man. What Nikola Tesla when you need him, <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to Dropping Juice Podcast. I go by Mikhail. Yeah, what's good, people? How y'all feeling? Y'all already know. No need to introduce myself. <laughs> if you've been listening to the podcast long enough, then you'll know what it's about. So, say no more. Say no more, man. I think we got an interesting topic today. My man, Meech, man, he, me and him was talking one day, and... uh he enlightened me on some things. Uh, was able to get that motor in my mind moving. And uh, won't you tell him? Won't you tell him what we're gonna talk about today, Meech? Well, I mean, you was already. Hey, I like how you was introduction. You should go ahead and finish. You already introducing it. Well, so, well, today, yeah. folks, we're talking about identity politics. And if you don't know, um, I don't know the specific uh, definition for it. But uh, I think, uh, well, me paraphrasing, identity politics is when marginalized groups uh, uh, come up with a political agenda. Um, I think I'm saying that right, right? Yeah, I mean, according to Google, identity politics is a tendency for people of a particular religion, race, social background to perform exclusive political alliance alliances moving away from traditional broad-based party politics. So basically, it is a microcosm of or it's a set of a political agenda. So I think an example would be if you look at the Republican Party, right? And you have evangelical Christians, which are a microcosm of the Republican Party. Or if you look at the Congressional Black Caucus. Now, I'm sure there are Republicans that reflect the Black Caucus. However, typically the Black Caucus votes Democrat. So that would be a microcosm of the Democratic Party. Yeah, and some some examples they give are like the Black Panther Party, uh, the gays and lesbian movement that occurred, uh, the women feminist group, um, the right wingers, as they say. Uh, um, the big thing right now is the uh, what do you call them? It was real big during the Trump campaign. Um, the cat cargo khakis and the uh, uh, tiki torches. Uh, I don't know the specific name, but um, what you mean the Trump campaign and the tiki torches? Well, you know when they had that whole thing down in the South Carolina, the uh, the march they had for. Uh, Are you talking about neo Nazis or? No, they see that's the thing. So I was reading an article, right? I'm going to just tell you what I was reading. Go ahead. I'm listening. <laughs> I want to hear it. <laughs> so they say they are for the rights of, of white America, but they are not racist. They are saying they are being marginalized now because they are not, they are becoming a minorities 
uh, as they get further in the future. And so they are saying just like how black people uh, speak about being black and proud, this is a way of them showing themselves as being white and proud, but they are not associated with the beliefs of the neo-Nazis and the uh, KKK. They're just about white empowerment, if I should say. Now, I'm just paraphrasing. Um, it was an article I was reading. I don't know the exact article or name right offhand, but I'm going to look it up once I get time. But um, it was a book this lady wrote, and it's been a, a growing uh, uh, campaign on um, whites trying to empower themselves because they're feeling like they are the minorities now, uh, especially since there have been uh, programs or some kind of forums that are talking about inclusion and you know diversity goals you know that comes into right. play so they feeling like they are the minority now because a lot of things are uh, in place to help really to really help equal the playing field but they're feeling like they are missing out on opportunities as well because they are uh, being marginalized. Right, right, right. No, I understand what you're saying. Um, I want to take it back, you know, just a little bit. Take it back, brother. So maybe the 1970s, right? There you go. All right. Um, and for what I understand, you know, because history is so subjective. So I hate, I hate when people say, well, this is when it first started, right? However, you know, they somebody it's the arrogance of man. Somebody has to claim it. So without further ado, um, from what I understand and for what I was reading and you can Google it and check it out. Uh, it was three women. Beverly Smith, Barbara Smith and Demita Frazier. And they created, they had a group called the Coben He River Collective, which was started in 1974. And this group came together to start a conversation that would help intersect identity of gender, sexuality, race, and class oppression with the purpose of connecting their struggles to a larger audience as well as giving those who felt they didn't have a voice, a voice. And for those who don't understand the back story of the Copenhagen River, that's where uh, Underground Railroad is and Harriet Tubman free 750 uh, slaves. So we have that parallel, right? We have, well, we have that point let me correct myself, not parallel. So we start here from 1974 and we see what we have today, right? But also, I feel like these women, the Kobahi River Collective was a response to hundreds of years of American identity, right? White supremacy right. identity, right? And I I understand where most of the whites today who complain. I understand where they're trying to come from. However, if if you know enough about America, you will realize that. Black people didn't create identity. In this country, we didn't. We didn't create the names or the labels that are attached to so many things in our culture. And I said it earlier about the arrogance of man, man to label something. Because as soon as you label it, you take ownership of it, right? Think about something that you buy from the store. Or I just planted some plants out of my yard. And I, you know, I was like, I want to name my plants because they mine. Right. Right. So when man gets to a certain mindset, right, 
he develops a godlike mentality like he is the overrule of everything. And part of that makeup is, oh, this is mine, right? So I, I'm a quote a, uh, a philosopher, Rene Descartes. I know, therefore I am, right? And I think identity politics starts with that. I know, therefore I am. I know that I'm a white supremacist, so I am a white supremacist. I know that I'm a racist, so therefore I am a racist. I know I'm a capitalist, therefore I am a capitalist. And people see this inequities or this, you know, these things in this system, and they want to take part of it. Now, should, as America, if we call ourselves a melting pot, shouldn't we be a part of it? I agree. So those groups that they're trying to say are, are identity politics, it was a reason, I feel like, behind those. Like you were saying, it's a reason why those organizations were started in the first place. The voices were not being heard. So it's kind of like a... Um, a hypocrite in some way because I've heard, I mean, well, I ain't gonna say I heard, but I've known the talks amongst uh, certain groups Yeah, feel like that we should, uh, why are we complaining? This is not slavery anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, um, uh, why are they doing these marches? Um, why are they, you know, just Black Lives Matter? That's the big thing. You know what I'm saying? All lives matter. These things wouldn't be conversations if oppression did not exist. So when you have oppression existing, and then like you said, you when you when you have proclaimed labels over certain things and in instances and in certain institutions, and then when you implemented systematic ways of uh, inequality to occur, then of course you're gonna have identity politics. It's only the result. It's the only cause and effect. So why are we? I mean, why? Are, I mean, and then it's kind of funny to me when I'm hearing this because I, matter of fact, the name of that article came out. It was a uh, website on Vox. Yeah, it's called White Identity Politics. It's about more than racism. White identity politics is Americanism. <laughs> So, like, I just think so many people like that's what and that's where you got to be. You got to be measured and understanding the tricks of the enemy. Like Vox, somebody's going to take that article and it's going to sink into them. Well, well, let me give you the backstory on it. So the, so it's a person named Sean did an interview with a uh, Duke. Uh, what I want to say. Uh, Duke political scientist Ashley Jordina she wrote a book called White Identity Politics so he interviewed her on that um, and basically you know he was just trying to get the explanation behind the book and you know the opinions that she have as far as white politics now in there she's trying to make a separatism between white identity politics and the KKK or the neo-Nazi because according to her, they're not racist. They're just... Who like, said this? That's what this what the lady... I mean, you have to check out that article. Man, I love to read that article. <laughs> because the thing is, is that even though a few people might not be, there's enough people for it to be a racist organization. Because they stand behind that emblem. They stand underneath them white sheets. Exactly. and understand what it represents. So, like, you can't sit up here and tell me that, oh, it's not a racist or I, I, I understand. See, that's what I'm saying. We got to be careful. Like, there's so many tricks. Some people are too smart for their own good, but not understanding the perception of things. Like, if you see me in a trash truck, collecting trash you're gonna assume i'm a trash driver flat out flat out. if i see somebody with kkk stuff on i'm assuming they're racist yeah it's not gonna be none of this 
oh, let me get hyper analytical and let me <laughs> dissect this and show how this organization and let me quote this article and that article and say, oh, I got it. This group really isn't racist because I found the precipice of what this group stands for and all that good big jargon. Come on, man. Stop it. Knock it off. I know, therefore, I am. <laughs> Renee Descartes, man. <laughs> oh. oh, man. Oh, but you, you're right. I mean, yeah, I mean, what else? I mean, see, people got to understand this. <laughs> we didn't, hey. What what did Malcolm X say? I know this is a little far. He said we didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. Yes. So it's ironic how it's okay. It's it's just like when I was looking, I'm gonna bring in sports in this. It's the NFL draft just occurred, it's just passed. Yeah. And um there was an athlete on there. He's probably considered a uh uh White poly, uh, white identity politics. His name is Nick Bosa. He was recently drafted by the San Francisco 49ers, the number two pick. He um, had a lot of tweets out there that were demeaning black folks, um, especially he called Colin Kaepernick trash because he was kneeling for the equal rights of humanity. He uh, said Beyonce was trash. He says uh, Jay-Z was trash just because they have their opinions. And that's fine. He can have an opinion. But the same thing that Colin Kaepernick got scrutinized for, they seem like they really not trying to, uh, they, they embracing him because they accepting the, Cause all that comes that that individual character it comes with that player when you draft him right, that's a part of his character. So it's funny how Colin Kaepernick is scrutinized on his end, but Nick Bosa he's celebrated as a uh, you know oh he's just an uh, American, he's just an American he just follow, he just follow, and that's fine he can have. He can have his opinions, but you can't treat you can't be extreme on one level mm-hmm. and then not extreme on the other level because quiet is kept. Some of y'all in that same organization probably feel the same way Nick Bosa does. Yeah, and y'all benefit from that because it's a lot of things that happen that the opportunities that were afforded to y'all came from those inequalities. <laughs> so it's funny to me how we got identity politics, white identity politics, like y'all losing out. What are you losing out? You're still the majority. If we're going to be honest, statistically, you know, maybe in certain states, you're not the majority. But in America, you are a majority. There are neighborhoods that are predominantly white all across America. Well, without think about this now. Because I'm hearing what you're saying and I'm thinking about what I was saying earlier. And capitalism doesn't work yeah, without labels. Exactly, exactly. You understand what I'm saying? So it's a necessary element in capitalism to segregate people into different groups. Because it's about individualism. If there was some sort of collectivism, right, mm-hmm. as a whole then that's Marxism or what they coined that, right? So it's built within the system. Like we was talking about last episode about feudalism, how there was hierarchies built within that, right? So it's so identity politics is a necessity. So when people try to sell you jargon, they're not identifying the true problem in and of itself. So you can't tell me that we have a white identity problem. You can't tell me that we have a black identity problem. We can't tell me like we have a Mexican identity problem. Those frustrations are a necessary component of American capitalism. Mm. So the question is not 
is when we're going to change it, but how can we deal with an ever-changing world where people are continually trying to push their own individual slash collective, individual big, collective small agenda onto you? And that should be the conversation. Like, as I'm talking to you now, like, I'm realizing we can't change the whole identity politics. It's part of what we in. How can we deal with it and circumvent the nonsense? And that article, I can't wait to read it because that Arthur, she full of nonsense. <laughs> and, 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 and you made a good point because some of the critiques of identity politics are that it misses out on the big picture of human society and addresses just a small, minute problem. But at the same time, you have to address those problems in order to get to a good place as a human society. I mean, excuse me, a human society. Just for example, the Black Panther Party would not exist, as I said earlier, if oppression and equality existed amongst all people. You got to understand when you cause and when you cause something or you put somebody in a corner and you steady putting your foot on a neck what do you expect to happen you know what i'm saying so we we have to understand like the labels that we are putting out there and i don't know man it just seemed like when i was reading it about identity politics I was kind of like, well, it was a reason these things happened. You know, it wasn't like that, you know, we was just like, oh, well, let's let's talk about black rights. You know what I'm saying? And, it, and everything was just OK. You know what I mean? Like like this was a perfect country to be in. Um, we're talking about as recent as what, 60 years ago? Yeah. And probably still in Jim Crow law still existed in the South. So those so those organizations had to come about in order to fight for the civil rights. The organization was a necessary discourse to the climate of that day. Exactly. And currently people because they laid the stone. Those organizations like the Black Panthers and the civil rights movement and you know, the LGBTQ movement. They laid the way. Now, we are in a hyper uh, political identity world in which every group wants to be recognized by the government. It's not their fault. No. Really? It's just a response or reaction to the system. You know, I was telling people that we have to be cautious once we start talking about pressing as gay rights. Now, I'm all for it. Let me be completely honest. I have no issues with it. However, what's next? Gay rights. Then I heard something about child molesters, right? They're going to say they want rights. Then you're going to have men who abuse women and claim that they need rights. And they're going to find some psychologists to say, oh, something's wrong with me, right? And then we're just going to have a, a culture in which we accept every, every little thing that shouldn't be deemed okay. We're going to start accepting it. And that's the problem that we did. With, and, 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 and instead of addressing that, I hear so many people like a lot of the discourse with a lot of the my, the whites who speak on this is they sit, speak on it like they're attacking it. However, they're not pro providing any solutions other than pointing the finger at the problem. And what, and what is the solution, though? You know, it takes people on both sides. Exactly. Has to sit down and talk. And you have to call people out who have an agenda there are women right now that hang around people who very influential and plotting to set them up and it, and, it, and 
those same women you're talking about, they using other platforms to get their agenda across. Like, I'm not saying this ever happened. I don't know exactly, but the Me Too movement has been out there for a while. And some mm-hmm. women are using that to get a point across or to, to, to uh, address their personal agenda that they want to come forward out of this and not really involved or really have any um uh what's the word I'm looking for but they really not uh have any input as far as in the me too movement are really concerned with it like they should be that it's an honest movement about women that are being mistreated so like you said you got to be careful cuz everybody is not for your organization per se and like you said, when you start opening that door, that's Pandora's box we're talking about. Well, that's the, and that's the thing. Like it undercuts the movement. Like exactly. like I said, the movement itself has a lot of valid points, but it's just like looking at, at water and it look calm at the surface level or at the water level. However, once you get in the water, there's undercurrents, and that undercurrent is way more dangerous. Then you would believe, right? And you wouldn't know until you get in there. And that's what these certain small few women who do, who know how to manipulate the system for their own benefit. And that's what we have to watch out for. And I think a lot of times we don't articulate it in that way. I think sometimes we we point the finger like, oh, this woman. No, I don't think it's all Me Too movement. Exactly. There's just bad apples in the Me Too movement. Just like, just like I'm going to just be completely honest. You got black folks, then you got nigga. I'm just going to be straight up. And I think that the nigga is the ones that get the bad rap for black people in general. Like, we, we can go into the deep root, root meanings behind it, but the fact still remains. It's the undercurrent of what we trying to do as people to build. And that's dangerous. Because people believe the undercurrent before they believe what's at the you know water level. Well, you know, like you said, negativity always gets to shine. You know, look at the news. When you look at the news, it's negative information, right? Yeah. So, like you said, one bad seed can make it bad for the yeah. whole organization, yeah. bro. Yeah. And it's like a blackout on that organization just because it is one person. Me Too movie could be be filled. I don't know the exact number, but it could be with five million people that supports it. But that one person that does something negative in that organization will put a black on that whole organization. Yeah. And but when you came into this organization, you was an individual, and as a whole body, you a collective group. But when you leave, you still an individual person that is associated with this group. So I think it's easy for humanity to always point the finger to a whole organization instead of that individual person. And we got to understand that because we so judgmental on the fact of we always want to say, oh, well, you see what that organization about. You see what happened to what that person did. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's easy to point out what this one person did and you, you, you put it on the whole organization like they involved with the whole thing, you know? So I think, like you said, is we have to be mindful on the uh, the uh, judgment that we put out there, because like they say, judge first. Uh, what do you say? Judge not, or you will be judged first. You got to understand that, man. It's it's the arrogance of man. Um, I think I think identity politics is arrogance of man. Identity labels all that. Because as I said before, it goes back to ownership, you know, and and people start feeling unequal when they see uh, a lot of a lot of a lot of wealth or a lot of benefits being concentrated to one group. And that there those are the concerns. So you already know, Kat. And those are valid concerns. We're going to take a break right now, yeah, and we'll be back with more. Yes, sir.
if I never, never went home again Gentlemen, that was Gil Scott Heron. Home is the hate. Home is where the hatred is. Um, and if you're just now tuning in, we we're talking about identity politics. My man Meech is laying down them jewels. Nah, I'm just dropping jewels. We just rotating. You know what I mean? Nah, but um, this is an interesting subject because. Uh, for years, the uh, the marginalized groups have been associated with this title of identity politics, and now it seems like that it's uh, took a full, uh, not three sixty, but one eighty, and now there is a huge. Um, Increase or what should I? What I'm looking for, or um, implosion of uh, identity politics when it comes to the white community, as I would say. <laughs> yeah, because they're the ones who who've taken the word and gave it new life. Obviously, it was these women who I mentioned earlier were three black women, right? Right. So they coined it in modern times but the discourse has been so opposed to it and you know it's so many layers like it seemed like a lot of times when we had these topics like we go back to some of the previous episodes they kind of intersect and that's because like when you start unpacking or unpeeling different layers you start getting to the bottom of things and you realize that it's the same problem. <laughs> Don't nothing change, does it? No. Nah, That's the crazy thing about life. It's the same. Yeah, no no matter what your color, creed, race, or however your uh, I mean when you look at uh, life itself, everybody goes through the same problems, correct? Yeah, you agree. I agree. I agree. 
So these labels that are being put out there as far as it, it was a it was a uh let's be honest, let's call a spade a spade. It was a um way for a particular class in order to benefit from those ideologies that were put in place um and everything intertwines with each other like you said capitalism um classism marxism um all these things that they put labels on it all seems like they done put it all together like you do a, a when, you, when you make a hamburgers and you get the ground beef you make it into a pet you put all the ingredients in there right and then in order to get that nice juicy hamburger certain ingredients you got to put in there and it's tasteful in order to make all those things work and to make sure that you benefit off of those those ingredients so then you start putting stipulations and as they say uh labels or not as they say, but when they start putting labels on on things, then that's when the inequality occurs. Because when you think about it, if race was never important, how would you know that inequality in itself when it comes to race or racism how would you know it exists if we never had those labels in the first place <laughs> so then you wouldn't have these identity politics as they say or these microcosm groups or <laughs> this <laughs> you know these are all react it's like a chain reaction okay um it was funny i was looking at this clip it was a, a movie about Shaka Zulu Nation. And uh so this white guy, he was there, he was a colonist. He was trying to he was trying to persuade Shaka Zulu to give him land and, and set laws on their land that they've been uh living in forever. And he's trying to tell him what will happen as far as they need to set laws and guidelines when they've been living on this land forever and they had their own set of rules and guidelines that would they didn't have to be written. And it wasn't like a uh and, and when they invited you, it was in an invitation. Absolutely. As a as a person. Absolutely. Preach. You know, so we gotta be careful with this identity politics, man, because let's not let's not let's not try to use it to your advantage when it's, <laughs> when it's uh appeasing and then when you look at us or or when you see another um what they call it, the minority groups that gets involved in these identity politics then you want to deem them as being negative or they're the problems of politics in general when politics in general well that's a whole nother story but but you said something and i kind of want to piggyback off of it i echo all your sentiments but more importantly, though, I look at my people and I see how it has affected our psyche. And we're so reactionary to things that at times we don't use rhetoric or logic. Uh, when we try to disseminate information uh, that comes our way. And. Like. You can go on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter and you can see something in which, for instance, like a, 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 somebody's getting beat by a cop. And that right there automatically sends us over, not even knowing the backstory. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know if you remember, like, uh, there was a situation. There was a situation at the it's, it's a liquor store on Airport Road in Berkeley. That showed the owner kind of choking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the initial video that came out, everybody's reacting. Then you see the backstory where the longer version, you see that he was trying to get these guys out from Lord and his establishment. Like, he still should have used better judgment. However, the fact that 
you saw another other guys in the store intervene and try to break it up just shows that it was a little bit more to the story and we have corrupted or polluted our mindset with this whole identity politics because everything is racial now everything is racial and we have to turn our mindset out of this hyper racial mindset because when we do when we see everything as against black we negate the problems that whites face we negate the problems that hispanics face we negate the problems that children who may be sick or disabled face you understand what i'm saying and and, and we create this false narrative not to say that racism isn't real it is real however or what we call let me put so-called racism let me i've been trying to get out of saying that racism but, right yeah that's a bigger yeah <laughs> subject in itself but uh the minute we we believe in this whole idea of racism or so-called racism we everything that happens between a white and a black person is is the white person is wrong and it's not correct all the time i think it's easy for us to uh i think it's easy for us to find fault in anything just because of the his the historical uh events that occurred in the past um it's easy for us to point out one thing instead of maybe just basing it on an individual uh level and i think history has a lot to do with that um which made us feel some kind of way not saying that we shouldn't but you are absolutely correct um i think we do make decisions on impulses instead of really thinking about the uh situation at hands just put yourself in that shoe what would you do if you owned a business and people just hanging around and you know now like like you said correct he should have handled it in a different manner but you just can't have people as a business owner you don't want to have people just hanging around looking drunk in your establishment because that's not inviting to customers to come back you, you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. you you have to be concerned you are in while you're in business you are a part of this capitalistic world right yeah so you're in business to make profit you're not in business to try to uh just stay afloat you're not to break even i'm sorry so you have to make things happen as a business owner to elevate your establishment in order to see profits to where it makes your life comfortable yeah that's absolutely so i think you made a good point and also like you said it is so easy for us to like you said just point out that in one situation but i'm gonna i'm gonna uh, dive deeper the nipsey hustle situation should have really thrown you overboard you know, I think a lot of times, like like we were saying on the last podcast, I think we're dehumanized to the situation that, you know, killing each other. And I understand, like, people say, oh, well, you're in the same vicinity, so that may happen even more. Yeah. But at some point, you have to make a decision to say, now, it's different if it's life-threatening. But if it's not life-threatening, what is the real problem then? You have to ask yourself, what am I doing to the point to where I feel like I have to kill somebody and my life is not threatened? Are we really that salty about mm-hmm. words? Words hurt that that much? An argument, you can come back from an argument the next day, man. You can't come back from death. Death, that's the end of life. And I think a lot of times... We have to call out everything. We just can't point out what we want to point out. That's when that's that's when we said earlier. That's where personal agenda plays a part in it. It's where the individualism plays a part in it. You're not actually trying to uh, better the organization because you have your own agenda that you're trying right. to, trying to reach. And 
I think one and then one of the critiques of identity politics is that it touches on a marginal level instead of addressing the whole the whole uh, status of all people instead of, you know. Um, and it, and it's it, but you know what was funny to me as I was reading it, I was thinking like, well, then. Is that so-called identity politics? They talked about the Black Panther Party, yeah, the yeah. gays and lesbian, now with the white identity politics. I say, so what is the Democratic and Republican Party then? Wouldn't that be considered an identity politics? Yeah, it is. It is. So it's funny to me how they got this label where it only applies to certain groups, but to other groups, it don't even apply. It's funny to me, man. Uh, it's just... That this, like you said, means the American language meaning can mean several. One word can mean several things. And that's an issue in itself, because then you can start distinguishing. Well, that is, that's not what exactly what I meant uh, by saying that, because in the context I was putting it in, I was really saying this. So. If identity politics are those groups, then what do you call a, a Democratic or a Republican? What are they really looking out for the best uh, uh, best interests of the American people? Yeah, that's a great point. When the lobbyists are the ones that have more influential value uh, compared to just the regular citizen. Oh, that's a great point. Very great point. So this. This term, dog, it's it's crazy because you know when you start doing research on identity politics, it's it's kind of like mm, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Politics itself is identity because you're trying to affiliate yourself with with some kind of party, and that's what it's about. I'm sorry, man. I went on the rant. Nah, keep you got it. Hey, keep that energy. <laughs> <laughs> Keep that energy. It's just that it's funny how these terminologies that are being used, it's only beneficial to certain people and then is detrimental to certain people. So I think we need to do better as far as um, understanding politics in general, because this is. Man, this stuff here, man, it's like you said, Mish, this has been going on for years, bro. And people really don't really take it serious, but it has some value to it, man. It has value because ultimately what we put out it what is what comes to us. And I think so many times we only look at our life in a very like microcosm. I'm just going to go with that word because we just only focus on what's going on in our day-to-day -day routine and we negate to take in what's going on in the world. So I posed this question to someone because I was upset one day and I kind of went off, you know, and, you know, I said this before in my life. I said, and I told a woman this, I said, how can you be so upset and mad at me because I lied I cheated. I didn't do things right. I couldn't be a man and admit that. But at the same time, you live in a society in which your government lie, your community leaders lie, your politicians cheat on you. They stealing. They killing innocent people all over this world. And yet I'm the bad person. That's good. <laughs> I'm the bad person. Yeah, I'm bad. I did this to you. You right. But why you only think about yourself? But I'm selfish. Right. right. Like you can flip. <laughs> I know there's that, but <laughs> I know I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm going to get my butt kicked for it, but I'm crazy. But at the end of the day, like, like, because people put you in a guilt trip, right? They only, but they only focus about themselves. They don't care what's going on at their neighbor's house until the neighbor's drama come on their yard. And that's what's wrong. We don't care about stuff until the identity stuff really start affecting us. Oh, uh, we don't care about uh, you know, what they think about us until the skinheads in front of our house. Yeah. Now we want to take our phone out and start recording on Facebook. <laughs> 
That's what's wrong with the world, man. That's what's wrong with the world. Y'all, man, you niggas make me sick. <laughs> so what do you think about when somebody say stay in your lane? It depends on the context. It depends on the context. Because like, like, I feel like if, if I can like prime example, my neighbor, if I hear him and his wife, his girlfriend arguing, I'm going to stay in my house and not worry about it. Now, if they, you know what I'm saying, coming across on my side of the house, yeah, I'm going to call the cop. Hey, yeah, I can't be y'all. I don't want that stuff on my property. So it just depends on the context. What what you think? What, where are you going with this question? I'm curious. Well, let's just say if you uh, witness abuse, do you step in or do you, you know... I think in those situations, it's probably best to call the authorities. And have them address the situation. Yeah, I think that because we don't, you don't know the whole story. Like, I wouldn't be privy enough to jump in a situation in which somebody is getting beat, whether it's man or woman. Because but you'll I, take some course of action as far as. Yeah, I would call the authorities. Course. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't. Nah, I couldn't do that. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't because she could have provoked him. You dig what I'm saying? He could be defending himself. Or he she could have provoked him. He got a gun. He might shoot anybody come close. It's best to call people who professionally train for that. I'm not professionally trained to handle those situations. Facts. I'm just saying, I just yeah. had to ask. Yeah, no, nah, no, nah, that's real. No, nah, because like you said, um, it becomes a problem until it comes on the front door. You know what I'm saying? And then I was like, well, just trying to play devil's advocate, I guess you could say, and uh, ask those questions. And um, I think you you're right though. Uh, so what what like I said before, what what is the solutions to identity politics? Like, what do we have to do? Is as, as as I mean, I know what we what we should inform ourselves. Yeah, that's the start. Like, you can't do anything without the information and the knowledge and the education for you to make measured and reasoned choices or decisions and your support of anything. So I think if people just took the time and just learned a little bit more about, you know what, why do I support this group? Who are these people in this group? What do they stand for? What are their angles? What are their agendas? You know, once we able to put that more perspective then we can decide whether or not this is an organization or group you want to support or you know what I'm saying you may find an organization or group who got solid people and just support them and who actually trying to do the work of the people because it can't just happen with one person you do need a group exactly. but you need a group that's not bound by a lot of the societal biases and that's hard. Yeah. That's very hard. I mean, that's easier said than done. Facts. I mean, you got to think about the um, uh, the ramifications behind that, like you said, because the uh, subliminally uh, thinking, we all have some kind of biases, correct? Yeah, that's true. So you, I don't know, man. It's just like, do you have to retrain yourself from um, being this biased person on certain things that you thought about? Or like, how does that even look like? I, I look at it like this, like, you know your strengths and you know your weaknesses. It's about being real with who you are as a person. And it's nothing wrong with being biased by no means. But if you don't know how to do something, then that's when you tap into somebody who may have a little bit more information than you on something. But they might not know what you know, but y'all make a team. I mean, I look at it how I look at it like from the standpoint of uh like somebody producing a TV show. Right. You know, you got producers, you have writers, you have actors, and all of them have their own strengths. You have cameraman, 
All of them have their own strength. And when they come together, they make a TV show. Exactly. And that's what we need to do with any organization. Know the group biases, know the strengths, know the weakness. Like, okay, if, and, and, and how that look would be like this. It's like, okay, I got a racist white guy who wants who who's open to being in an organization with a black panther guy who's open to being in that organization with that white guy and and they're both open to being in an organization with somebody that's from the lgbt community right and they're open to be you know and then you collect and then from there you can build on everybody and respectfully build on everybody's perceptions and biases and try to create something and and, and these people have to be you can't be people who don't have a a, a Objectivity to them, you know what I'm saying. You gotta, you gotta have people who are, who can look at things very objective and say, you know what, you're right, and this is a good point, and this is what we can work on. And I think if you have all these different people from all these different ideas and and communities come together in a group, and everybody is respectful to one another, I believe that could be a start. Some great suggestions there, man. <laughs> hey. Dropping juice, I swear, boy, <laughs> Meach be dropping them juice on y'all, man. Hey, he got a class going at uh, what's the name, uh, Hard Knock University. Uh, if you want to sign up, sign up to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I go real quick. It's it's a Ray Dalio. He a billionaire. I was speaking to you about this earlier. Uh, yeah, yeah. And his corporation, what they do is everybody got a laptop. And when someone talks, they rating you, so you can see it while you talking what they what they like or they don't like. Right, right. And it works for his organization, right? But a lot of people not that thick skinned to have those type of conversations in which you're talking in front of fifty or sixty uh, colleagues, and then they rating you based on what you're saying. Some it may be positive, it may be negative, negative, right? Right, but they rolling with the punches, but and they making them a better person, making them prepare, and that's how I believe you can have an organization to where people just that's very objective can be measured and take criticism, but also you know take constructive criticism, criticism. Exactly. right? And and you able to build upon that. I like that whole concept when I found out about it a couple weeks ago. So, but just to touch on what you're talking about, um, you also have to have the fortitude to make those tough decisions because you're not going to please everybody. You know what I'm saying? So, just for for example, like, do you make a, a decision to appease someone, or do you make a decision that's going to help benefit humanity? And that's where we talking about with the personal agenda or the individualism and people that are objective, knowing that they may not agree with that decision. But if it's for the betterment of humanity, then that's a decision that has to be made. And those are like tough decisions. Right. That people have to understand that need to be made because you're not going to make everybody happy. Right. Because everybody has different beliefs. They have a different culture. And. It's a way to find out how to can I compromise in order to reach a particular goal, not a particular goal, but to reach the common goal that we have as a as a people, you know. And I think things were put in place. uh, Just like they call it, the checks and balances. Right. But you got to understand, we're still man. So we're going to go in there. Addressing things on our own beliefs, what we've been believing for, the way we were raised, or uh, just the way we took the course in life, or how we address things. And it may, like you said, and it may not be the best way. So you have to be open to those constructive criticism as yeah. well. And like you said, it's, it's easier said than done, bro. Because, uh, some people just like you said don't have that thick skin, man. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's real. And man, be you know, I know we uh, like you said, man. It's funny how everything we talked about tied in to every to all all the podcasts. They are intertwined with each other. Yeah. And I think that's a uh, 
it's kind of like a focus we wanted to do, but at the same time, it ain't because we don't like try to do it. We just yeah. go off of the hip of yeah, talking fact. about certain topics. But everything we talk about, it all addresses. It all comes together. Just like I said, the the hamburger. You want a good, I mean, a good ass hamburger. You got to make sure you got the right ingredients. And I think we're working towards that, baby. Yeah, yeah. facts. So, man, we appreciate y'all listening, man. I hope y'all enjoyed it. Uh, man, I ain't even got no words for what you got, Meech. Man, enjoy y'all night. Enjoy y'all day. Enjoy y'all day. Enjoy work, whatever you're doing right now. I hope you're enjoying and manifesting because we dropping jewels. Dropping jewels in the building.